Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Wow. Wow. Sometimes you, you think you're prepared. <laughs> And you know where you're going, and then God says, oh, I just need this, okay, we'll go with that. And that was great. And that's so good, that's so good. That's what I love about church, where the Holy Spirit is allowed just to do what he needs to do. Because if we ever shut that off, it's just a meeting of people together, just singing some songs. You could do it, humanists do that. Atheists do that. Sunday meetings they just meet on a Sunday, singing secular songs, and someone shares a thought. Without the Holy Spirit, it's pointless. It's just a gathering. Anyone can do that. But we are the body of Christ. We are the church. And as we come into this season of Christmas, it's a great opportunity to share the love of God. And as we remember, as we use this time, as we've chosen this time of year over centuries to tell the world, no, 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 we're not going to celebrate what you celebrate. We're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. This is who we are. We're going to celebrate him. And for me, Christmas is wonderful. I love Christmas. There's, there's so much to like about it. And I know it's, it is difficult for some, but for me, it's, it's a great time for family, friends, generosity, uh, and most of all, love. And, and people share so much stuff together. And uh, they make memories and, and share family time. And one memory, I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, so I'll put this in, that um, we were together as a family, and, and this was Christmas time, and we the, the, together there as a family. And as, as you do, telly goes on, there's Christmas specials. You can't be a good Christmas special. And uh, it was, uh, we were flicking through the channels, and uh, does anyone remember the TV show My Family? Remember that? So that, that came on, and... Uh, oh, 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 Sarah's mum, oh, I love that, oh, that's great, oh, I didn't get, watch it, it was like, mm. so we flicked through, she went, oh, I love my family, and without a breath and hesitation, Sarah said, we love you too, and I thought that was really sweet, and that was one of our family memories of how just things happen, and it's spontaneous, and, and you, you spend time together, and it's great, and love means so many different things to so many people, um, but we live in an age now, an age of time where there's a worldview that there are no absolutes. Do what you want. doesn't really matter. Love who you want, how you want. Don't let anybody tell you differently. You decide what love looks like. That's what the world tells us now. You decide what it looks like. You express it how you want, regardless of any religious, social, or economic values or viewpoints. Just love however you want. But the Bible spells out what love is. And in his first letter, John, that wasn't the first, first letter that wasn't gospel, John spelled out what love is. And this season is a good time to remind us all. So we're going to look at 1 John 4, 7 to 11. And uh, I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. So 1 John 4, 7 to 11 reads like this. It says, Those who are loved by God, Okay, that's a pretty good start. So that's all of us this morning, right? If we know Scripture, if we know the New Testament, those who are loved by God, let us, let his love continually pour out from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God 
and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. I think this is wonderful. Delightfully loved ones. So wonderful. Delightfully loved ones. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. Now in this part of the text, uh, in part of the lever, the overriding theme, I think you've hopefully gathered by now, is love. It's, it's what love is, and more importantly, who love is. And who its ultimate source is. Now Christmas reminds us, um, as we remember, how God the Father sent his one and only son to earth as a baby in preparation to redeem us who are lost. So Christmas is the ultimate story of love. Christmas is love, is my message this morning. So look at that, let's look at verse 9. So let's start there. So the light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. And a little bit later on in verse 14, it says, moreover, that's a great word, I love that word. Moreover, we have seen with our own eyes and can testify to the truth that Father God has sent his son into the world, uh, sent to be the saviour of the world. Now Christmas is love because we receive the greatest gift of love that could ever be given, Jesus. The greatest gift that can ever be given, let me say this, never lose, Julian mentioned a little bit something there about all the other stuff you see. Whatever happens, never lose the Christ in Christmas. Never give that up. Because it is through Christ that the Father demonstrated his love for us. He says he sent his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering that takes away our sins. Jesus was sent to earth as a fragile baby, so he understands, he understands what it's like to grow up uh, in this world. And when he was born, it was a place, it wasn't very nice, it was a bit grim, fit for animals maybe at, the be at best, um, to be the one thing that we can all now receive, the perfect love of God. Now, there's a, there's a Christian band that did a, a, a Christmas album. It's a little bit different. It was all heavy guitars and a bit of shouting and stuff. Uh, a band called Reliant K. But they, they did this beautiful ballad called I Celebrate the Day. And I just wanted to share the words with you. And it says, the first time that you opened your eyes, did you realize that you would be my savior? And the first breath that left your lips, did you know that it would change this world forever? To look back and think that this baby would one day save me in the hope that what you did, in, the, in what you did, that you were born, that I might live. Romans 5.8 in the NIV says, God demonstrates, he shows, he's a practical demonstration of his own love. He demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, why we were still lost in that place of darkness, still away from God, still um, not wanting to know God, maybe even pushing Him away, not even recognizing Him, denying Him completely, even in those times, 
he sent his son to die for us. Christmas is about Christ and God's love for us. How the Father sent Jesus to be that sacrifice. To escape the, to, to be free from the sin we couldn't escape from and receive the forgiveness that we didn't deserve. Now love is not a whimsical, pointless notion. And John 3.16, although we know it very well, um, says that for this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. That's what the Passion Translation puts it as. What a demonstration of love. As we remember Christ at Christmas. There's four things I just want to say about that. God loves the world. That's what it says, right? For God so loved the world, which means he loves the entirety of the fallen human being, the whole race, all of us. Number two, the love is of such intensity, such a magnitude that he moved him to give us his son. Number three, this one incontestable purpose and effect is that whoever, whoever, doesn't matter, whoever believes in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. What a hope. Whoever, doesn't matter where we've been, who we are, what we've done. We can be changed. We can be transformed. We can receive Christ. Whoever can gain eternal life. Therefore, this love then is indiscriminate. The world likes to put people on different levels. The world likes to, to say, you know, they're better than you and this, that, and the other. God looks at us. When we receive Christ, no matter where we are on that level, he receives us because his love is indiscriminate. He sent his son for the whole human race. What a wonderful gift. Therefore, we have the right to say to every human being, God loves you. But he loves us enough not to keep us where we are. He doesn't say, I love you, do whatever you want. When we receive Christ, there is that change, that transformation. We become new, we become different. So when, when we, we receive Jesus, this gift, he doesn't want to keep us where we are. He brings us through things and we might not, everything's not perfect straight away. Everything will not be perfect. The Bible tells us that, but he'll bring us through into some amazing things. God loves you, we can say. And this is how he loves you. He gave his son to die for you. Therefore, Christmas is love because God is love. Now, God is love. And that's an amazing statement. Incredible statement. God is love. Um, it's a statement of faith like no other. It's actually quite unique. It's a quite a unique truth to Christianity. It's quite unique that God is love. Let me explain. There's an author and theologian called David Pawson who wrote this. He says this, right? John is the only person in the Bible to make the statement, God is love. Now, it may sound like a normal statement to the well-taught Christian, but it's actually a revolutionary statement. No other religion in the world could ever have said it, nor could they. It cannot be said of anybody else. Now, this revolutionary statement shows us what, and more importantly, who love is and what it really means. And also, it wasn't one of those throw-off statements because John actually writes it several times. God is love. He writes that several times. Now, all people can say, I love. You know, I love, 
I love so and so. You know, like I love a cooked breakfast or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I had a chocolate bar for breakfast. It wasn't very good. Um, but I, lo- I love uh, I love sausages or I love whatever. Um, oh, I, I love so-and-so. Or in many religions can say, my God loves. You know, people say, oh, yeah, so-and-so loves, Miss God loves. But only the Father, the true living God, the creator of the universe, can be spoken of as love itself. There is no one else in the entirety of the, of the expanse of space, time, and everything. No one can be said that is love. Only God himself, the Father. And this is the ultimate expression of love, the complete formation and the image of it, because it's not just in his nature, it is his very being. It's who he is. He is love itself. Now, I think all of us really, we, we look for love, don't we? Well, and, and you can see it across the history of mankind. We all look for love in different places, whether it's from a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse, a parent, a friend, a pastor, a son or daughter. All of these we can receive, but all of them will be flawed. But knowing this, however, will help us in our relationships. No person is perfect. Now you see it in these romantic movies and it's all so perfect. It's all so wonderful. And you look at them and you go, just you wait. <laughs> just you wait. <laughs> go, yeah, you wait until the kids come along. No, the kids are wonderful. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's always going to be flawed, isn't it? Because we are. We're not perfect, so our love can't be perfect by the, the nature of the fact that we're not. We try to love perfectly, and, and, and often we see, if, we, if we're married, you try, try to see that they are perfect for us, even because we accept one another's flaws, don't we? But God's love is perfect. And when, when we understand that, actually, none of us are perfect. When, when things happen... Well, if they're not perfect, I'm not perfect. Maybe I can just deal with this. It's okay, because none of us are perfect. So how then should we respond to God being love? How do we respond to that? Well, in, in the text, John puts it two ways. He puts it two ways. So here we go. Number one, love God. This is how we should respond. Number one, love God because he first loved us. He loved us first. All right. So that's verse 10. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. This was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. This verse begins with, this is love. Therefore, we can say this is God, right? And this is how God loves us. He loved us way before anybody could ever say I love God because he was there first and he loved us first. So love belongs to him. It's not our love, it's his. So it it belongs to him. God's love should lead us to a place of peace, of patience, hope, change and transformation to make us more like Christ who taught us how we should love God. Luke 27, the first part of Luke 27, or 10, 27, sorry, says, love the Lord your God 
with all your heart and all your soul, all your strength and all your mind. Absolutely. We know it, but it's a tough one, isn't it? It's tough. Because even in some ways, we know that our love for him isn't going to be perfect either. And we want to we wanna give him all, our all. And he still accepts us. It's amazing, isn't it? It's incredible. And to love God, we must love him as he loved us. And a command, and that command to love him as he loved us, we cannot do without Jesus. Amen. Um, we cannot love without Jesus. We can't do it. It's not in. It's it's not in us. But when we receive Jesus, God looks at us as His own son. He looks at us as His own child, and He accepts the love that we give Him. It's incredible. So incredible. When we think about it, the magnitude of it, how huge He is, and how powerful He is. He loves us in all our warts and all. And he made that way. So we need Jesus to follow that command. And also the second part of that command, we need Jesus to help us. Because in 27b, Luke 10, 27b, the second half is love your neighbor as yourself. So number two is love one another. Our response, first, love God. Second, love one another. So verse 11 says, delightfully loved ones. If he loved us with such tremendous love, so tremendous love. He loved us with such tremendous love. This is huge. This is massive. It's incredible. Then, so if he loved us with this tremendous love that goes beyond all understanding, we cannot get it. We maybe can't conceive it fully, but he loves us that way. More than anybody can love anybody else. So then, therefore, this is what we must do. Loving one another should be our way of life. As much as I love Christmas, we know that Christmas isn't the easiest time for everybody. We know that. So within the fun, the festivities and the time with family and friends and all those things that go on, there are people hurting. There are people lost. And we need to have a real understanding and empathy, a, a heart for people to know that you know that there is tough stuff that people are dealing with and and because that some some people find it easier to be alone I was speaking to someone the other day and I said oh you be in your family this christmas that she went no I just want to be on my own and I I felt quite sad about that I mean she was quite happy to do that she goes oh it's just too busy it's too much going on it's just I can't do it um and sometimes because of past hurts, we can find, maybe people find, you know, they can get cynical of others and cynical of life. And, um, and, and that cynicism, we can project our hurts and, on other people and push people away. And we need to see that too. What, what are people trying to see beyond the things that they might say to push us away? What is the hurt? Let's pray for these people. Let's love people. Because we know people are going to fail us. People are going to let us down. That's, that's who we are. And, and as I was saying earlier, if, if we understand that of others, hopefully they'll accept us when we let them down. Because if we accept them too, they're going, they're, people are. But the perfect love of God 
always remains. So that means, though, if when people fail us, the command to love them still remains. The command to reach them still remains. The command to forgive them still remains. There's a guy called um, Carey Newhoff. He's a founding pastor of Connectus Church. And he, he, said, he came to believe that when we close our hearts to people, we close our hearts to God. Because so, he was saying that loving God and loving others, they are linked. As 1 John 4, 11 explained, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And, and he is explaining the Greek word for that ought is a command, it's a must. We must love one another because God loves us. We can't do, we can't do one without the other. Which is an interesting thought. It's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Andy Stanley wrote in his book, Irresistible, he suggests that we define our relationship with God vertically, but he, God, defines it horizontally. In other words, if we're not good with people... We're not good with God, which is an interesting, powerful thought, isn't it? How we must love one another. The NIV says in 1 John 4, 19 to 21, we must love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. That's quite strong words. For whoever does not love God, or sorry, does not love his brother and sister whom they have not seen cannot love God whom they have, who have not, who have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love his brother or sister. So in other words, anyone can say, I love God, and have, if they have hatred towards their brother or sister, the uh, Passion Translation calls them a phony. The NIV calls them a liar because we cannot love God and have hatred towards another person who God loves. So loving one another should be, as that scripture says, I love the way you put it, should be our way of life. What a great way to put it. Not a way of life, well, I could choose one or the other. No, it should be, as believers in Jesus, should be our way of life. Loving one another. And that's quite a strong, powerful thing to think about at Christmas time. How love can be, how we can demonstrate. If God demonstrated his love for us in this, how do we demonstrate that love of God in us? So author and pastor Jamie Snyder suggests that a life of radical humility is not an easy path to walk, but it is a path that we've been called to. Jesus made himself nothing and then turned to us as his followers and said, follow me. Follow me into obscurity. Follow me into selflessness. Follow me into others-focused life. Follow me into my kingdom, the way I have paved with radical Humility. So finally, as I uh, finish up this, this morning, I hope that we've all been challenged to, to love as God loves and to receive the love of God. Ephesians 5, 1 to 2 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Christmas is much more than the Western commercial world has made it. It's far more than, as, as Pastor Julian was saying this morning, and then the, the lights and the presents and the centres and all this stuff. It's far more than that. It's far more than that. What does Christmas mean to you? Can you see past 
Can you see through the wrapped gifts, the twinkling lights and the indulgence? I pray we all do. I love all that stuff. I love the lights. I think lights are wonderful. It's, it's great, when you, especially when you're driving home. I, can I just say, I've never managed it myself, but I always appreciate those who put lights on the outside of their house. I've never managed it in mine. I just, I can't figure it out. I can't, I've got, I can't work it out. I just, I don't know how it works. I don't know how it does it. I don't know how you do it. I've never looked into it. Every year, for the last few years, my Emily's been going, can we have lights on the outside of the house? I bought some a couple of years ago. They're still in the cupboard. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. But I appreciate, really do, honestly, this is me being genuinely, genuinely just like, thank you so much. But it's just driving down the street. Having lights everywhere just makes, and when these times are dark and cold, it's just nice. It's just so lovely. I love it. Love it. Just brings light and loveliness. So nice. So thank you for doing that. If you want to come and do mine next year, please just let me know. I am open to offers. I've got some lovely mince pies. It's all about mince pies. I'm going way off now. Mince pie. Patisserie Valerie yesterday. The nicest mince pies are amazing. I just, oh, that looks nice. Oh, lovely. Anyway, um, so I'll buy you some Patisserie Valerie mince pies if you want to do my lights on the outside of my house next year. Was that you, Simon? Simon, you ready? Oh, Simon's there. Oh, so, sorry, he's jumped in first. He's jumped in first. Next year, I'll have lights on the front of my house. All right, thank you. Um, but if we can see past all of that, all right, if we can see past all of that, which, no, no, no there's nothing wrong in, in giving gifts. There's nothing wrong with that. It's lovely. It's great. We should be giving things to people. It should be done. Anyway, throughout the year, just being generous, being open-hearted, being loving, Jeannie said about that being pressed down, shaken together and running over. That, that whole text talks about the generosity and the abundance of God. Both in his generosity and giving and how we should be, but also in his judgment. And how actually it's better to be this way and positive and giving. Because there's so much more when we give love and forgiveness. When we forgive, his forgiveness is so much more. And that's who he is, and that's who we should be. We should be giving. We should be generous. But let's not just save it for Christmas. So I pray that we see past all of those wonderful things to see the Christ in Christmas. As the words of O Little Town of Bethlehem say, But in this world of sin, where meek souls receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. So I hope that we all see the Christ in Christmas this year that we all accept and receive the perfect gift of the Father's perfect love and be true followers of Jesus whether you know Jesus or not his love is there ready for you as a gift to receive it'll be the best gift that you will ever get not saying everything's going to be plain sailing but if we use in a sailing term to have a captain of a ship who knows how to weather every storm it's much better than be stuck in a dinghy <laughs> his love is there for all of us I pray that we can give hope bring peace and share our lives with the lonely the hurting and the broken just as Jesus did let us let the love of God pour out throughout this season and beyond sound like Buzz Lightyear and finally 
my final words. With all of that, that people will truly know Christmas really is love. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.